welcome to another episode of Triumph and Tierras. I am your hostess, Suzanne Proxa, business strategist and coach for female entrepreneurs who are purpose-driven and looking to make a major impact in the world. This podcast is my passion and is intended to showcase women who have overcome obstacles to hopefully inspire and empower all of you to do the same. And now on with the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode. I am super excited to be here today with Kelly Morgan. She is a health and fitness professional and motivation expert. And uh, I'm pretty geeked about this because as many of you know, I am also a certified health coach. That's how I got started. So I am I'm pretty excited to, to speak with her today. And she has an amazing story to share with you. And so I say we just dive right in. And um, I would love to have Kelly share her story with us. Um, it's definitely interesting because she has dealt with anorexia and then also weight gain and then of course that weight loss. So why don't you tell us, Kelly, about about your story to start? Yeah, I'd love to. I I was so drawn to you because of that shared health coach history. So it's like the perfect person to discuss this with. So I'll start with where it all came from. Um, this anorexia thing, people say that it builds over time, but I remember the exact day, the time, and what I was doing when it started. So I was, it was a snow day back my junior year of high school, and my mom and I were just hanging out in the family room. We were playing Uno, and I was feeling fat, and this just, it suddenly dawned on me, you don't have to eat. There is no reason why you have to eat if you feel fat. And I have just this really distinct origin of being like, oh my God, I don't have to eat. I mean, physically, guess what? You have to eat. You don't have to be a certified health coach or anything in the health realm to know that. Mm -hmm. But So I spent, as someone who was already teeny tiny, I was a cheerleader and an athlete in high school. So I was probably... I'd say I hovered around 100 pounds or so at that time. So I was seven, 16, 17. And um, so I, I had this just revolution where I don't have to eat. So I kept going with that. I measured my portions very carefully. My parents were very involved in my life. I'm an only child, so they, they had an eye on me, but somehow they missed this. And they missed it for a long time. And this is certainly not to place blame on my parents because they are overly supportive of me. So they jumped right into this diet thing. <laughs> so in high school, I found that I was just, I was starting to get weak. And two years of this before college came along, I was focused solely on being a college cheerleader. I had the academics to go to the school I wanted to, the University of Virginia. And I had to to complete everything that was my dream that I decided in third grade, I was going to go to UVA, I was going to be a cheerleader, I was going to major in English, and that was how it was going to be. Well, to make that come true, the last thing I needed was to be able to make college cheerleading. So I went into overdrive when it came to the anorexia. It became more of an obsession than it was before. 
I went to tryouts my spring break before going off to college. I ended up not making the team, which wasn't a huge surprise because I hadn't even started there yet. So I got to school in the fall, tried out again, made the cheerleading team, and suddenly the sense of panic and perfectionism just took over my life. I was off on my own for the first time um, and being able to feed myself with my own decisions for the first time. So I just cut everything I could out. And any college sport, no matter what you're doing from cheerleading to football to baseball, you have extremely hard conditioning and workouts. So I found myself too exhausted to get through these. Um, by the end of my first year of college and my only year cheerleading, I was so sick that my parents had to come down to Charlottesville where school is. It's in central Virginia. It's about a two hour hike to come down for this. So my parents came down and we got a hotel room, the three of us, and my parents nursed me back to health with Pedialyte because they knew I would refuse to eat food. So it, we went through this. I went to cheerleading tryouts during this time. Shocker, the coach had gotten wind that I was extremely ill and I was cut from the team. So after that first year of college, my parents said to me, okay, we've been real patient with you. We've seen firsthand what you're doing. If you want to go back to school next year, you are going for counseling over the summer. So of course I wanted to go back to school next year, of course. And I went for counseling, was not open to it. I pretty much just sat there and listened and did what I was supposed to do. You know, ate what I could get away with to make my parents happy while I was at home with them. Went back to school and went back to my old behaviors. And it took a long time. It took the rest of college, really, to get rid of that behavior completely. And let me tell you, when you are so focused on your calories, your portion size, what you look like, when all logic would tell you that someone who is nearing adulthood and under 100 pounds, they're probably, they've probably lost enough weight, it makes life real hard. So I graduated from college with those demons still. Um, the work world changes everything, I'm sure. All of you listening know that once you start work, you're sedentary and it's not like school. It's not like high school. It's just, it's, you have your life change. So I started to gain a little bit of weight and this, I, I maintained a very healthy weight for about 10 years until, well, pretty much the worst in someone like me is mind happened. I, about 13 years later, I was finishing my dissertation for my PhD and I was given an award by the college I went to for that George Mason and I couldn't work. So they told me that, you know, this award, this stipend, this support is for you to stay home full time and write your dissertation. Well, I hope not many of you out there have to learn how horrible a dissertation is. Just if you're considering a PhD, think really, really hard. <laughs> so I stayed home and instead of writing, I started eating and I got to know the Domino's delivery guy. What's up, Ian? Thank you for the pizza. Ah. And I gained 50 pounds. I'm a pretty small person to begin with. I am about five feet tall and 50 pounds on anybody's a lot, but 50 pounds on a pretty small person is devastating. So, you know, it, 
the idea of cognitive dissonance where you're doing a behavior that doesn't match anything that you believe in or feel like you should be doing that it's horrible it's a terrible terrible feeling so going through that while well, i was just eating out of stress and then afterwards i i ruined my own life in the opposite version so with anorexia I felt like everything revolved around food. I couldn't go out anywhere because oh, somebody might make me eat. Somebody like might feed me or hand me a mimosa, which now I'm like, heck yeah, feed me and hand me a mimosa. <laughs> but back then, not really. So the opposite thing happened to me. I felt like everywhere I go, people are looking at me and saying, like, oh, what a pig. I have no pictures of me from this time period where I had on the extra weight no pictures. I barely saw my friends and I just buried myself and had a deep depression from it. So don't worry, everybody. This does have a happy ending. <laughs> I came out the other end. Eventually I finished my dissertation. And by the way, it, it felt especially hard to do all this because it was my specialty is women's fitness motivation. So there I am sitting like a lump of fat, you know, just gargling pizza and I'm writing about how you convince women to lead a healthy lifestyle and how to be active. So after that, I, uh, I got myself together about six months later and I decided that's it, I'm done with it. I could teach anybody how to lose weight, live a healthy life, find balance. So it's time to, you know, put on my big girl pants and do it for myself. So I ended up doing it for myself and I lost the weight. It it was a surprising amount of work looking back to put on the weight. It, it took a lot of money. It took a lot of pizza and a lot of effort to put on that weight. And it took about the same amount of effort to take off the weight too. But I have to tell you, now that I've finally, finally, finally found a balance in those extremes and have put aside just like everything has to be perfect. Everything has to be recorded in my food journal to a T. I can't go out unless I look perfect or everybody's going to judge me. Once I finally could put that aside, I was able to lose the weight. I was able to get where now, I mean, now I'm perfectly fine putting myself out there. I'm, here I am. <laughs> so that's what happened. And I came out the other end and it, I would be lying if I said that there weren't still those thoughts of, God, I'm fat. God, I look terrible. But fortunately, logic has taken over since then. And I can say, Kelly, come on. That is ridiculous. You look fine. Sometimes you even look good. <sighs> so I, I just never want anybody to feel those extremes that I did. That's, uh, I pretty much have dedicated my life to making sure nobody ever feels like that. I want to take a bullet for everybody. I don't want you to do that too. Mm -hmm. So that's so, my story. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's amazing that you, you went through both extremes and I'm curious, you know, what steps did you take to go through that healing process for, for anybody who's listening, who's going through, uh, you know, something that like what you've gone through, you know, what would your advice be to them? What steps did you take? First of all, nobody should ever be afraid of therapy. Therapy is a godsend. And I had gotten myself in a deep enough hole that I needed to go. If you don't feel like you're comfortable with therapy or it's not something that you really, really are desiring to do, 
finding someone to talk to or journaling or finding some way to at least get your thoughts out on paper or get them out into the world and say to yourself, does that sound logical? If somebody said that to me, would I just say, yeah, that sounds about right? Or would you say, what the heck are you thinking? <laughs> you know, that's Sometimes you just need a mirror and that mirror could be a therapist like I did. It could be a journal, it could be a friend. Doesn't really matter who, as long as you're able to reflect on what exactly these beliefs are. Excellent. So uh, you mentioned, and it's even mentioned in the title, you know, getting away from perfectionism. And I, I tell you, I mean, this applies in so many different areas of life. You know, as a, as a business strategist and coach, I see it all the time, you know, women holding back because, you know, they're trying to be perfect. And we keep telling people over and over and over again, stop it, you know? Yeah. And so... You know, this is just another thing, you know, it's kind of funny. I'm actually in a position right now where I'm trying to lose weight. And so I'm really interested in hearing what you have to say about this whole idea of perfectionism and how we actually take a step away from that. You know, you are, people will never succeed in business if perfectionism takes over. And that's, I, I hope you all listen to Suzanne with that because it is a killer for business. Um, with getting over the perfectionism for my body, it was step by step and each thing that I told myself, I stopped and thought about it. So for example, I was at the gym one day and I love working out. Even at my heaviest, I worked out multiple days a week. And I'd be there just doing my thing, lifting some weights or you know, stretching out, doing whatever it may be. And my gym has mirrors everywhere. Mm -hmm. And you know, I would, look at myself and perseverate over it and, you know, just stare at myself going, oh, people are making fun of you. Why are you even here? And whenever that type of thought would come up in my mind, I would just stop myself and say, okay, what if this lady next to you said that? You would say, that's ridiculous. First of all, you're here to better yourself. Second, not a single person is looking at you. And third, guess what? You can turn around. So I stopped looking in the mirror because each thing listen to that belief and reframe it. Realize that, you know, each thing you say, does it have logical merit? Would you support someone next to you saying that? And if it doesn't have any logic to it, and if you wouldn't support that person next to you, why are you being so awful to yourself? There's always a workaround. And if what you say is true, if, you know, maybe you do look terrible. Like, let's say you put on an outfit and that is just too tight. Sometimes that's okay. Sometimes you say, well, gosh, why would I wear something too tight? So let's talk about self-love a little bit, because this is also a challenge for women. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure where this comes from, <laughs> but, um, you know, I know I have this issue myself. I see it a lot in, in the women who are in my Facebook group self-love is it's work for us and why do you think that is and how do you think that people could start really incorporating that uh maybe you know a little bit at a time so that they can get to a place where it's actually not something hard to do yeah self-love is incredibly hard especially for women we are eons and eons of women we have been the caretakers 
we put others before ourselves, whether it's our friends or our family or our husbands, boyfriends, whoever it may be, we're so used to putting others before ourselves that it becomes this natural instinct. And then something even worse happens. If you have a moment of giving yourself self-love, you're just like, well, gosh, I have a big head or who do I think I am to take this time out? So we don't only have a problem with not giving ourselves self-love, but when we finally are doing that and we're nice to ourselves, we feel guilty. So it's changing that belief of you're not entitled to either give yourself time to take care of yourself or that you're acting vain if you know you look at yourself and say, gosh, I look good. And making sure we have that time to actually focus on what we need physically, psychologically, spiritually, unless we give ourselves that time, we're going to keep silencing that girl inside us who says, hello, recognize me, love me. Awesome. So maybe some trying to, to verbalize this here. So, I mean, are there, is there maybe a routine or something that we could do maybe that we could try on a daily basis to maybe help us head down that path? Sure. I think there are a couple ways you could do it. Um, I like to do a little bit of a morning scan. So I get up and I think about, you know, maybe there are some ways you won the genetic lottery. Maybe you're really smart or you have great hair or you're like aging in reverse. You know, maybe there's something just truly genetically wonderful about you then maybe there are some accomplishments you've had. We have all accomplished something. <laughs> you're not going to be a total loser in everything you do. There's something that you're proud of, no matter how little it may be. And you can reach back to, you taught your little sister multiplication tables. For as silly as that sounds, it's something you've accomplished. So thinking of, you know, how, how am I uniquely great? And then, you know, as you get ready, if you're going to perseverate over how you look in the mirror, well, just don't look. For goodness sake, if you're going to stop yourself and do that, just don't look until you're ready to look at yourself objectively. And some other things you can do are um, exercise. I, I know we all knew I was going to pitch that at some point here, but exercise is really great for self-esteem, not only for the physical part, but the endorphins it releases. It shows you that you can reach goals, even if it's you made it 20 minutes on the treadmill without dying, <laughs> you did it. So exercise tends to be a great way for us to exhibit self-love and see what we can do. Now, they're also allowing yourself to relax. We don't allow ourselves to relax, especially the go-getters out there on your podcast, <laughs> your podcast listeners, in your Facebook group, certainly all the ladies in my life, bunch of go-getters who feel like slowing down shows that they're, you know, that they're failures. So loving yourself sometimes means slowing down too. Are you talking to me perchance? I might be. Hmm. All right. <laughs> well, Kelly, I mean, you have an amazing story and I know that dealing with anorexia and with weight gain and thing are, you know, those are some of the most painful things for, for women to deal with. And 
I'm wondering, you know, is that something that you work with women on per chance? I do. I'm not specifically anorexia. I'm not that kind of doctor. I'm the PhD kind. But what I do like to help women find is really like, say you want to lose weight. Let's, let's pick a real common goal. Before we even get to that, how much weight are you going to lose? How are you going to do it? I like to walk women through a process of, okay, so why would I want to change it? What is actually going to be better day to day? If this goal happens, what changes? And then back it up a little bit. And if there were a perfect world, let's say you woke up and money and time were no issue. What would your life be like? So we try to fit in these goals with what would your ideal life be like? And often I find that the weight loss is for something else. So trying to go to extremes for the sake of weight loss, a lot of times it would actually be eliminating stress or you know, maybe losing a few pounds, but it's not really about the weight loss. So when I am helping women, and usually through, I do this through my courses, my workbooks, any of my limited in-person that I do with people, it's the same process where you try to get down to what is the most efficient way to do this that is livable and it's not some extreme. Um, it, the extremes are where we find failure because we can't live like that. And I, I try to move women more toward the balance and moderation so they don't have to suffer that. I love that. Cause I know like for me, for instance, my, my weight loss goals right now, when I enter that into my beloved app, it told me I needed a thousand <laughs> calorie deficit every day. <laughs> oh, that's doable. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, I mean, with exercise, it actually sure. has been doable without missing out on nutrients and stuff. But I think yeah. that um, that is very important work. And I think that finding that balance is definitely critical because if you don't, it's, a, it's my opinion is it's a surefire way for it not to work out. Amen. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you just feel better if, you know, stick with the idea of weight loss. A lot of times you feel better with just five pounds off and then you can start to build your confidence. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these goals are even way too lofty. Yeah, definitely. So if people would like to find you and learn more about you and how to work with you, how do they go about doing that? Oh, well, I have, I, I geek out of my website. It's awesome. my favorite thing to play with. <laughs> so you can find me at my company website. It's www.serona.com. And Serona is spelled T-S-I-R-O-N-A. And I've made a little special something for your listeners. It's um, kind of a way to put the brakes on perfectionism. So they can find that at serona.com slash triumph. Awesome. I love free gifts. Everybody Yay, free. free gifts. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, do you have any little tidbit that you would like to leave the audience with before we end the show today? Absolutely. This is an old analogy, but I want you all to think about when you're on an airplane, how even though your instinct, especially ladies out there, your instinct is to, if the oxygen masks drop, help the child next to you, help the elderly lady next to you, help everybody in the whole plane, and then, oh yeah, you. I want you to give yourself permission to think of you first. Because if you don't put on that oxygen mask, if you don't find your sanity and your balance, 
you can't build a business. You can't help your family. You can't be a great partner or mom, sister, whatever you're trying to do, which is I'm sure juggling a million things at once. (laughs) Remember that perfect does not exist. No matter how much we try to chase it, the thing about being perfect is that the goalposts keep moving. So allow yourself to take care of you. Allow yourself to keep doing what is good enough and then fix your good enough because you might find some satisfaction right there at good enough. I absolutely love that. I am somebody who can take that advice today. (laughs) Who, you really? Thank you very much. (laughs) I think I'm going to learn more from these podcasts than anybody else, I swear. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being on today. It was an absolute pleasure, and thank you for sharing your story. I hope that it inspires others and lets them know that they're, they're not alone in these feelings and that they're, it can be overcome. Absolutely. I, it was an honor to be here. And as you all heard, even two professionals with plenty of health knowledge have goals just like you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, thank you everybody for listening and thank you again, Kelly. Thank you for listening today. I hope that you found some inspiration from today's episode. If you would like to find me and check me out, you can head over to SuzanneProxa.com. Or if you are a female entrepreneur who is purpose driven, head over to my Facebook group at Fempreneurs.biz. Thank you so much for listening today and I will see you in the next episode.